Welcome to Deeper Walks on the Trail podcast. You are on the trail with father-daughter duo Marcus and Stephanie Warner. I'm Stephanie, and I'll be talking with my father, Dr. Marcus Warner, as we discuss topics that help you stay on the trail to a deeper walk with God. Here we are in episode 17, starting our third series. We're talking about the kingdom worldview. Hello, father. Hello, daughter. Ah, <laughs> oh, I am very passionate about the topic of this series. It is immensely important. Worldview. It's not just something that we are born with. It doesn't have to be a passive thing. We can be aware of our worldview. We can change it, affect it intentionally. I've talked to people before who looked at me with these huge eyes like, what? Like, you can change your worldview? Yes. Yes, Yes, you can. It's so important to know that. Um, So what we're after here is a kingdom worldview. One of the things Jesus came to do was to teach us a kingdom worldview, to see life as God sees it, um, to understand reality as God understands reality. And so we were just talking about what you consider common sense is determined by your worldview. So, Father, what is worldview? Yeah, so let's start with the definition. So um, my worldview are the lenses through which I look at reality. All right, that's a simple definition, right? So the lenses through which I look at reality, I would call it, it's how I, it's the beliefs and assumptions that determine how I explain reality and how I evaluate reality. So I say beliefs and assumptions because a lot of times assumptions are essentially beliefs that I hold that I don't even realize I hold. So uh, you go from culture to culture to culture, and people have beliefs and assumptions that determine how they explain what they are seeing, what they're experiencing, and also what they value as important or beautiful or just or good or evil, right? And so all of these things can change depending on your your worldview. So again, it's it's, it's the lens through which I look at reality. It's the beliefs, uh, either the ones I assume to be true or the ones I ardently argue to be true that uh, determine how I explain and evaluate what I see around me. And why is it so important? Yeah, so... <laughs> We're talking about reality, and that's why this is so important. <laughs> right. Like, how do I see reality? So, and, and you look at these things, and it's it's a, a simple illustration I heard somebody use long uh, long ago. Is if you your worldview says that your car right runs on unleaded gasoline, but it actually runs on diesel. Okay, and you put unleaded gasoline into your diesel engine, you will ruin it. Okay, so your worldview is your concept, uh, your picture, if you will, that mental picture of how how the world works and how reality works. The other reason it's so important is that it determines what solutions you think are possible because it determines what you think causes things. So what we're really going to focus here is there's a whole lot of dimensions to worldview, but we're really going to hammer in on the idea of causation. What makes things happen? Why? Uh, why did they happen? I'll give you an example of this. Um, I talked to a friend uh, named Bill Jones. All right, Bill had a, uh, he worked with somebody once who had pounding headaches. Now, you said common sense comes out of worldview. So most of us Westerners, our worldview says, if you've got a pounding headache, what do you do? Go to the doctor, take an aspirin, do something. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you take Tylenol. If that doesn't work, you take more Tylenol, right? If that doesn't work, you take Tylenol with something else in it. If that doesn't work, you go to, you know, you go to Mayo Clinic, you go to, you know, some specialist, you get a brain scan, whatever. 
she did all that, right? For years and years and years, uh, just pain management, trying to manage these pounding headaches until finally she met with, with Bill. And uh, he had a worldview that said, you know what? Sometimes headaches are caused by spirits. Now, most of us laugh at that, right? That's like cartoon fodder. Like, really? He'll, Ooh, the demon of headaches has gotten me. Ha, ha, ha. You know, isn't that funny? And uh, But it's because our worldview doesn't think that that's a possible solution. And so it's not common sense to us. Mm-hmm. But I would also, I yeah. would also interject that there are some people who have been, have been around people who found a demon under every rock. And so they are jaded by that worldview because they... It's, no, it's, it's the true. extreme of it. So I'll just throw that out there too. That's no, true. But. And that's the thing with worldviews. You can yeah. go into opposite extremes. And so, you know, one of the opposite extremes is uh, uh, like there was a missionary working in, in an Amazonian jungle village and a measles epidemic broke out and they decided to cut the heads off of all the roosters. Well, what made that a common sense solution? You know, because they believe that measles were caused by spirits. And even when the missionary tried to show them, you know, here's a slide, here's a, you can see the, the, you know, microorganisms that are behind all of this, their interpretation worldview was so entrenched that the chief thought he was seeing the spirit when he saw the, uh, you know, the microorganisms. So it's a, your worldview will determine what you see as possible mm-hmm. and uh, what, it, what you will see as causal and therefore what you see as possible solutions. So in, in back to that other story, what ended up happening was she had actually gone on a short-term mission trip, picked up an occult object, and brought it back with her. And her headaches essentially started when she got back from the mission trip. So when my friend had her destroy the object and command anything demonic to leave, her headaches literally stopped in the middle of the prayer and never came back. And so you look at it, we would say, well, from a kingdom worldview, it makes sense to consider spiritual dimensions to the solutions of the problems in our lives. And uh, it goes on and on and on beyond that. But that's why worldview is so important because it will determine what we think is real, which will determine how we explain what is real. It will determine what we think is important and it will determine the possible solutions that we are willing to consider in trying to fix problems. Yeah. I know I've had the benefit of, of growing up in your household as you know, you've, you've been figuring out a lot of things. There's been a lot of a journey um, that, you know, you've discovered things even as I've been older. And so it's not, I haven't had all of this from the very beginning, but worldview wise, I feel like I've always felt very centered and comfortable with a biblical worldview. And I haven't been like, ah, but where are the other answers? Like, you know, this is, um, I really appreciate it. Thank yes. you. Um, <laughs> Is well, there is something comforting to knowing that your worldview can explain what you're experiencing, right? Yeah, I, I'm things do not throw me for a loop, like I see it throw other people for a loop, and I'm so that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about a biblical worldview that oh, it would help so many people. So, I'm just curious, when did worldview start becoming important to you personally? So, you know, this actually came from your grandfather, right? And that is, uh, so my dad, he uh, was a missionary who then was asked to teach missions. And as part of teaching missions, you have to teach cultural anthropology and because it's all cross-cultural and how do you bring things into a cross-cultural context. And so in trying to explain to people how culture works in uh, as, a, as a missionary, um, my father taught the model that says uh, culture is like an apple. And at the the outside of the apple is what you see which would be the 
behaviors of the culture, the unique customs of the culture. Uh, you know, like in he gave the example of a, going to Egypt, and if you you got an invitation to a dinner, if you showed up on time, that was rude because the servants were just showing up at that hour to start the process. Everybody knew in that culture, you show up an hour late. And so, uh, whereas in other cultures, if you're not there 10 minutes early, you're late, right? So you've got to know the the traits or the customs of, of a particular culture and how they're different from one another. But then you understand that underneath that outer layer of behaviors and traits and, and customs is are the values, like, what is the value that drives that behavior? Well, I want to honor my host. I don't want to bring shame to my host. So I want to make sure he's totally ready for me to show up, right? So that starts the process of developing the habit that, you know, I, I come late. Uh, whereas other places, you know, showing if you make the person wait, that's uh, that's dishonoring them. And so you have to understand, but the value of honoring somebody is what is driving this. So that's where we talk about maybe honor shame cultures or fear. What what would be the flip side of fear? I mean, we would say joy, but um, yeah, no, anyway, it's that. true. They uh, there are um, different cultures have different values of what they think is more important or less important, mm-hmm. and even in terms of how you dress, right? In some cultures, you show some ankle and you're inappropriate. Other cultures don't care what you wear to the beach. So you have all of these things are are expressions of value. Mm-hmm. So values come then from the core of the apple. So if you think of the values as the fleshy part, then the core of the apple is worldview. And worldview is, again, the assumptions and beliefs I have about how all of this works and what is real and what isn't real. And it answers questions like, where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? How does life work? Is there a God? What is he like? All right. Those are the kinds of questions worldview answers. And so there are some classic common worldviews, right, that we all know about. You can, uh, Islamic worldview, there's a Hindu worldview, Buddhist worldview, there's a, you know, uh, animistic worldview, there's secular atheist worldview, there's postmodern worldview. We have all these worldviews out there. And part of the challenge is how do we all get along when we don't believe the same? And so that is the big challenge. And in, and one of the things that makes kingdom worldview so unique is that we are told that even if people don't agree with you on the worldview, you still need to love them. And that is, that is kind of unique about a kingdom worldview. Now, the church has obviously hasn't always lived out of that, but that's what we're called to. And that's why we want to talk about it. Well, and, and we talked about a lot of, in, in our Solution of Choice Broken Discipleship Factory series, we talked about, you know, the four good ideas that neutralized Western Christianity. And mm-hmm. and a lot of that could be come back to worldview as well. Yeah, you say every, uh, every growth model is anchored in a worldview. And so, because my worldview would determine for me what I think transforms people. And so, in those four good ideas to neutralize Western Christianity, the first worldview was one that said truth right? They, they looked at reality and said, truth is what drives all change. Therefore, get your truth right and everything else will change. And the other one was no choices are what drive reality. And then it was power is what drives reality. And now we're at a point, well, everybody believes something different. Everybody does something. We just need to let everybody do whatever works for them and not worry about truth at all. Now we're moving past that. I, I would say that we are actually not so much in a postmodern world anymore. 
that we've, uh, I think we're moving into the next phase where there is a new truth emerging. It's just a very anti-Christian truth. Mm -hmm. And so people are calling folks to believe in a specific absolute about how the world works. It just is the opposite of Christianity. So unfortunate. Yeah, no, no, that's a happy topic. But no, that's kind of what um, I see going on. So we just finished, you know, the the first series on, you know, basically worldviews that needed tweaked, um, and then a whole series on discipleship. In terms of a kingdom worldview, I've heard you teach before about discipleship as assimilation, the process of transitioning from one culture to another and learning the ways of the new culture. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I kind of this aha moment that. To be a Christian, one of our identity, part of our identity in Christ is that I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And the aha moment was taking my dad's teaching on cultural anthropology and putting it together with the biblical teaching about citizenship and thinking, well, part of what's happening in discipleship is I am, I now belong to a new culture. And so belonging is at the core of this, right? I, I, I went from belonging to the world to belonging to the kingdom. Well, just like if I were to move from one culture to another culture and not just move there, but now I I belong there and I say, these are my people. I want to fit in. I want to learn how they think. I want to learn how they, uh, what they value. I'm going to, I want to assimilate into the culture. So in the same way, discipleship is essentially a guided assimilation into the kingdom of heaven. And that is, How do people in the culture of the kingdom of God, how do they look at reality? What do they value? You know, how do they live? And so discipleship is first belonging. These are my people. And then the worldview that grows out of that, which is my theology and dealing with some of my assumptions about life. And then uh, the values that grow out of that, which result in a transformed uh, way of living. So if somebody wanted to do a Bible study that would help them get more more focused and entrenched in a, in a kingdom worldview, what would be some good places for them to start? You mean actual scriptures? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. like, yeah. Well, obviously, Genesis, right, is where all of this starts. Is The problem we have when we read the Bible is that we, we read the Bible with our lenses already in place. Mm-hmm. And so what we kind of have to do is read the Bible with a, a view to questioning our lenses. You know, and for example, you know, in, in the Torah, God is constantly appearing to people and speaking to them and showing up in dreams. And he is talking to humans in almost every chapter. So that raises the question, does God still do that today? Or did he stop talking once the Bible was written? Is that his final revelation? And from now on, all we got to do is go to the Bible. I don't think that's what the Bible is intending us to say. I think, you know, um, it, it, the Bible is pointing us to spiritual realities that are supposed to shape that we live the way that we live today. Uh, we look at, um, so I would say that it is less about where in the Bible I go to get this worldview than it is about making sure I allow the Bible to question my worldview. Mm -hmm. And I would just go back to in Jesus's own day and the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees were Bible scholars, right? They, nobody knew the Bible better than, than, than them. They had the whole Torah memorized. They, you know, had, you know, most of the prophets memorized the Psalms. 
the uh, the the problem was that they had created a worldview out of that that said certain things about the Messiah and certain things about the Sabbath and certain things about the Spirit of God and certain things about this that did not allow experience to to open their eyes to the possibility that their worldview interpretation might be wrong. So that literally nothing they saw Jesus do could get them to question their worldview or to question their theology or even to go back to the Bible and say, could I possibly have read this through the wrong lens? And that's what our danger is today. It's like we have a danger today that we won't let it. That I think that we often experience things that cause us to go back to the Bible and read it again. You know, it kind of in dialogue with God saying, did I miss something here? Would you show me? You know what? What do I really need to? Um, how do I? How do you want me to look at this? So I, I think all worldview starts with the Torah, right? It starts with Genesis. It starts with the Torah, and then it goes out from there. If I'm going to camp out on another passage of Scripture, it would be the Sermon on the Mount. And when uh, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount is a teacher of wisdom, so he sits down and he teaches people where to find the good life which is what blessed is, you know, blessed is this person. That means, so if somebody's blessed, it means that God has been good to them. So the idea is, how do you get God to be good to you? Where do you find the, you know, so that's another way of saying, where do I find the good life? So that's what wisdom is all about. He walks through and he gives us a kingdom perspective, kingdom worldview, lays out kingdom values. And then he wraps up the Sermon on the Mount with, so the wise person has heard my worldview teaching and my values teaching, and now they are going to put it into practice. This is the way they're now going to live. The fool had just read all this, heard all this, you know, but said, yeah, I'm going to go my own way. And we still see that to this day. Um, so uh, mature disciples uh, are, are growing a sense of belonging, that these are my people. And they are also growing, adding to their faith knowledge which is this perspective of the kingdom and having a kingdom perspective on what they look at. And let's face it, if if that was easy, then everybody in the church would always agree on everything, but we don't. So part of what we're doing is by using worldview language instead of just theological language, we're trying to give a, a, a little bit different filter to help us think about this thing through a little bit different angle and see if it helps clear some things up for us. Well, on that note, next episode, we will be looking more at worldview and kingdom theology. Um, but for now, any final thoughts to close this? Well, I just know for me, the uh, um, this idea that worldview leads to the solutions we have has been been huge. Because one of the things that set Deeper Walk apart, well, and the reason that people often say, I love coming to, to your ministry, is that we offer a variety of solutions. We're not a, uh, you know, we have a hammer, therefore everything's a nail kind of ministry. And it's because we have a worldview that says attachment and belonging is important, right? Maturity skills are important. Demons are real, right? The Holy Spirit is still active and, and engaged in your life today. The scriptures are the foundation. We have a, we have a worldview and a holistic approach to these things that brings them together. And what that does is it allows us to 
say, what is the right solution for the problem in front of us instead of trying to make all problems have a single solution. So I hope that's encouraging to people that uh, we're going to be taking a dive into this and I'm excited about it. It's encouraging to me. I'm so excited for this series. So thank you, Father, and thank you all for joining us on the trail today. If you want to keep going deeper with us on your walk with God, please subscribe to the Deeper Walk podcast and share with your friends. You can find more at our website, deeperwalkinternational.org. Thanks again. We'll see you back next week.